Welcome to the podcast with all your mind, hosted by me, Rachel Grimm. We're here to help understand the Bible with cultural and historical context, linguistic info, and other cool stuff. Enjoy. All right, guys, good afternoon. It's Rachel. This is With All Your Mind. And I'm recording this episode for about the fifth time because I got a new laptop and apparently I should have played around with the settings on the microphone again because I was so quiet. I had the volume jacked all the way up and I could still barely hear myself. So I'm hoping this is a good thing for all future episodes that my laptop will help improve sound quality. We'll see what happens. But we're going to do another mini episode here. I love these little mini things. I get to jam a whole lot of information into a short period of time. So I hope you're enjoying it too. Today, we're going to talk about Testament, as in Old and New Testament. And we're going to talk about that in relation to two other words, covenant and contract, because those are two great words to understand Testament. All right, so let's define Testament first. The only way we use that word in modern language is with last will and testament. And that is just a legal document saying what happens to somebody's stuff after they die, right? We're, we're probably pretty familiar with that one. By the way, I looked this up. Why do we have will and testament? Well, in the 1700s and 1800s, there used to be two separate documents to define what happened to somebody's stuff. The will was for real estate and the testament was for everything else. And they made it two different documents because there were so many groups of people that could not inherit property that they made a separate document just for the property, such as women could not inherit property. So women just were not involved in the will, but they could inherit, say, furniture or horses or, you know, that kind of stuff. And so they could be included in with the testament. All right, so we have an archaic definition of testament, and that is what applies to the Bible, because clearly that one doesn't. (laughs) The archaic definition is just, um, it means a definition that we don't use anymore. It was a definition that was used at a certain time period in history, and it just got dropped to the wayside. This happens a lot with languages as languages develop. It doesn't happen so much with dead languages, because they're like a snapshot in time. So Greek and ancient um, biblical Hebrew are snapshots in time because their language didn't develop past a certain time. English did, right? So our archaic definition of testament is a covenant between God and humanity. So now we have to talk about what a covenant is. A covenant is an agreement or promise, usually formal, okay? So we don't use the word covenant very much either. So both the word testament and covenant we don't use very much. They're both Latin, okay? And Latin words can sometimes mess up our understanding of things. So now we have to talk about the word contract because contract we do know. The difference between a covenant and contract, our modern idea of contract is that it's a legally binding and usually a document, something on paper. Something that you type up, take to a notary or to an attorney, have somebody, a witness sign it, and you have an agreement. And maybe two parties, sometimes more than two parties, they've both agreed to something within the contract and they sign it to say, we will fulfill our own obligations for this contract. 
Okay, so I'm going to use the word contract a couple of times through here because that's an easier word for us to understand. Just note that the word contract is a legally binding document. In biblical times, a covenant or a testament was not necessarily legally binding because a king didn't have to be involved. The legal system didn't have to be involved. And it wasn't a written document. They had to use different methods to show that it was a formal agreement because paper hadn't been invented yet. We use paper a lot now because it's readily available, but in biblical times that was not readily available. And so they had to show their agreement with ceremonies, with different ways to show. We, so we don't need to talk about Hebrew and Greek because testament and covenant are not Hebrew or Greek words. So we're not going to get into the biblical languages in this one. What we do need to get into is ancient Near Eastern rituals. Okay, so what we're going to talk about is in Genesis 15, where God makes a covenant with Abraham. And he tells Abraham, look, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation, on and on. Lots of great promises. Those were God's terms for the covenant. And he said, Abraham, will you follow me? And that was Abraham's term in the covenant. He would be loyal to God and follow him and obey him. Now, the way that they made this agreement formal was how Genesis 15 lays this out. God told Abraham to take five different animals, cut three of them in half, and lay them out so that there was a path between the two pieces. And then the birds, there were two birds that they, he left whole, and he just laid them out so that there was a line of animals, and three of the animals were split in half, so that there was a path along this line of animals. And what God did was that he put Abraham into a deep sleep and then God, through symbols, through elements that he used to show his presence, he walked down between this, these two lines of animals. It was a smoking fire pot and a torch. And those were just things to show God's presence since we didn't actually see God's presence. We didn't see his body because he doesn't have a body. He's spirit. So we know that this was a ritual to show covenant making or agreement making, uh, treaty making, uh, covenant, <laughs> covenant, treaty, agreement, testament, contract. Okay, all of those things. We know that that was a way to make a covenant because we see that in other cultures in the ancient Near East. For instance, the Hittites had a covenant making ritual that involved cutting animals apart. Okay, And then the way they did it, and other cultures too, was that whoever walked down between the animals was whoever was agreeing to the covenant. So you'll know it was only God that walked down between the animals in this particular covenant. That goes off on a tangent. We're not going to go on that tangent. It's a very cool tangent, but we don't have time. Okay, So there's the Old Testament or Old Covenant between God and Abraham. And God reconfirms it with the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai by uh, having Moses get the Ten Commandments and then God saying to the people through Moses, do you agree? Do you want to be my people? And the people say, yes, absolutely. But please make Moses our go-between because we can't handle this anymore. All right? So there's the old covenant or old contract. The new covenant we see 
with Jesus at the Last Supper. Um, we see the Last Supper, which is the same weekend as his crucifixion, in all four Gospels, but I'm going to talk about it from Matthew 26. Okay, so I'm going to quote from the New King James. This is at the Last Supper after Jesus has taken the bread and broken it and gave thanks to God. And then he takes the cup and he thanks God again for the cup of wine. And this is what he says. Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Okay, so we have this is my blood of the new covenant. New covenant. But if you look it up in the King James, it doesn't say covenant there. It says testament. So this is Jesus saying, I'm making a new covenant, a new testament with you, a new covenant with you, which is for the remission of sins. I am taking down the old covenant. We're going to just abolish that and make a new covenant. And this new covenant is for the remission of sins. The old covenant was not for the remission of sins. It was for atonement of sins right? Sins were never forgiven and completely erased in the old covenant. Jesus makes a way for sins to be completely forgiven and taken away in the new covenant. That's the big, big difference in the new covenant, besides the fact that it's centered around Jesus, right? So this whole making of a new covenant is really important because Jesus is showing exactly how the disciples and all of the believers in the New Testament could go about following a new way of life without feeling like they were being sacrilegious or something, that they were not abiding by all of the laws and traditions of the old covenant. That's why he had to say this is a new covenant. You can kind of forget about the old one, now follow the new one. It's based on the old one. It's a continuation from the old one. The old one still has information that's very important. But what we need to follow now is this new covenant. There you have it. Covenant, testament, contract, agreement, promise, all of that stuff in the Bible and how we can understand it today. All right. Have a good one, guys. I'll catch you another time. Bye. Bye.